Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Experience. Everybody say the tabernacle experience. Amen. And so if you guys weren't here the last time, last week, uh, it was Father's Day. Right? It was last, last week? Yeah. Last week was Father's Day. Was it? Yes. Okay, good. Because she gave me a look, and I was like, man, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> and, then the, and then the first week of this month, it was the beginning of this series where we talked about the outer court. Everybody say the outer court. And uh, for those that don't know, for those that don't know, um, we have our messages uh, on a podcast. So if you ever want to re-listen to the message... You can go to our podcast. You can, it's easily found in our website all the way at the top. It says sermons, I believe, and you can click on that, and then you're able to listen to the messages. So some of us, some of you have asked, have asked, hey, is there a way for me to re-listen to it? There is. You just go to our podcast. But let me give you a little bit of a recap of the Tabernacle experience. Um, the Tabernacle was a place where God wanted his people to come. He wanted his people to uh, build them a house so that people could come and begin to have basically a time with God. God has always wanted time with his people. And so many times we hear of, of, of like maybe pastors or maybe certain leaders that say, hey man, it, it's, it, you know, you have to earn your way to God. And, and there's a certain aspect to that, but God has always wanted to be with his people. He's always wanted to encounter his people. He's always wanted to live with his people. He's always wanted to be a part of your life and my life. Amen? Amen. The outer court was this, was the door. Everybody remember the door, right? And we realized that the door was Jesus. And so the only way that you could enter into the tabernacle, and this is in the Old Testament, this no longer exists, but the only way that you could enter into the tabernacle is by going through the door. And the only way that you can have an encounter with God is going through Jesus. Can somebody say amen? If you have an issue with Jesus, then you have an issue going into the presence of God. It's going to be difficult. Paul says this, that there shouldn't be any stumbling blocks to get to God. But if Jesus is a problem with you, then that is going to be the only stumbling block. Because if you have an issue with Jesus, then you have an issue with being in the presence of God. Right? And then there's a brazen altar. Everybody say brazen altar. And this is where we begin to understand the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice that he made. He was the Lamb of God. Everybody say the Lamb of God. And so lambs are sacrificed for the sins of people. And so what would happen in this tabernacle, and this actually happened, right, is that they would bring sacrificial animals uh, according to the sins that they've committed. And so they will come and they will sacrifice animals. And let's say they, they sinned pretty much that month. And you'll be like, well, let me bring a little bit more animals this time because I really need... You know, I, I, I really messed up this, this week. So here, let me give you some more animals. And then that will go up to the Lord. And then the Lord will, will forgive the sins. And that happens all in the outer courts. Amen. And then there's a brazen laver. 
The brazen laver is, was basically made out of the same material of the mirror of the time, right? So you were able to look at yourself with, this, uh, with the material that was made, and this is symbolic of the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. And uh, uh, we've learned uh, that the Word of God has the power to not only cleanse you, right? The Word of God has the power to cleanse you, cleanse your mind, cleanse your heart, cleanse the way you see things, but it also has the ability to show you who you really are, right? Because so, so many times we, we come to God and we think we're a certain way until he says, no, bro, you're actually like this, right? And that could be a good way and a bad way, right? Some of us, we have low self-esteem and we think we're doing worse than we really are. And then God begins to show you, no, you're more than a conqueror. No, you are a brand new creation. You are not a failure. You're not what the enemy is telling you. No, this is who you are. And he begins to tell you your identity. But then some of us, we come to God like we're all that in a bag of flaming hots. Come on, somebody. And so God begins to show you, hey, you're really not all that without me. Because if you think that you have status, the only reason why you have status is because I gave it to you. The job that you have that you're so proud of, the reason why you have that job is because I gave you the ability to get that job. And so God begins to show you that as well. So there's three different phases. We learned this, right? There's the outer court, there is the holy place, and then there is the holies of holies. So let me just be real with you. I mean, this is going to be a challenging word for some, and then for others, this is going to be such an encouraging word for you. But the challenge here, the challenge is that the majority of the church lives in the outer court. The majority of the church never really experiences what happens in the holy place. And the reason why I say that is because it's in the outer court where you keep on asking God, God, forgive me for this. And you keep on bringing a sacrificial lamb. And now you don't do this physically, right? You do this spiritually, right? So you, you try to make up for the things that you did. So, so you just keep on asking God for, God, forgive me for this. And you go back to the word of God. And then God begins to show you, hey, that wasn't right. Or you're not that because the devil begins to lie to you. Why? Because you, you just stay in the outer courts, right? If you're like me, in the beginning of my relationship with Christ, I was confessing the same sin for a while, right? I will say, man, God, I keep on messing up here, and I keep on messing up here, and I keep on messing up here. And there's nothing wrong with that because the Bible says that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive your sin. But my friend, if you are still dabbling inside of the outer courts, there is so much more in God. There's so much more than coming to, to, to the house of God like it's a ritual. I'm obligated. You know, people that have an outer court lifestyle, they don't come because they love Jesus so much. They come because they feel like they're obligated to. I have to come here. Right? I have to be right with God, and so this is my way to, to kind of do it. And then there's nothing wrong with that, but, but there's so much more than that. There's so much more than just coming to the house of God and, and feeling the presence of God and God speaks to you and, and you get encouraged and God reminds you of the stuff that he's promised you. But there's so much more than just coming to the house of God and just confessing your sin over and over. Just coming to the house of God because 
How many heard this, right? I've heard this so many times, even talking to people on the street about Jesus. That says, hey, listen, I go to church, but I really do it for my kids. I just, I want my kids to go to church. Can I tell you something about that? Is it okay for me to say, share something about that? Let me just say this. If you're just going to the house of God for your children, you know your children will figure that out. Your kids are not dumb. I wasn't dumb. I remember when my mom used to take me to the house of God or when, some, when I felt like somebody was just taking me to the house, and I know that they, they weren't doing it on a consistent basis. I knew that they were taking me just for me. And my friend, what happens is, is that we begin to teach our children that we need to live a fake life. That whenever you want to go to the house of God, go ahead and do it. But don't do it for you. Do it for kids. My friend, you need God too. Not just your children. You need Jesus to touch your life. You need Jesus to do a miracle inside of your life. You need to walk your life according to how God wants you to live. Not just your children. Because guess what? The biggest example that you are to your children is living the life. Not just bringing them. That is the, the, the teaching that says, hey, do as I say, but don't do as I do. How many ever heard of that? Do as I say, but don't do as I do. I mean, that don't work. That don't work. I could bring my children, and I could be cussing up a storm, and I could get, be getting drunk, and I could be getting high. And listen, I'm not judging. Everybody is at a certain level. There was a time in my life where I was still getting drunk, and I gave my life to Christ. But eventually, because I wanted God more than the liquor, I wanted God more than the drugs, I wanted God more than the women, that that eventually stopped. There's nothing wrong with that. But when there is a place where you say, hey, I'm only coming for my children, my friend, that is not going to work. It's just not going to work. Can somebody say amen? amen. So, so we live an outer court lifestyle. But there's another face to God, which is the holy place. Everybody say the holy place. Another, another name for this is the inner court. Everybody say the inner court. The inner court. So let me, let me give you some, some furniture that's in there. The first furniture is the table of showbread. Everybody say showbread. And some of us might be wondering, well, what does the showbread have to do? Well, number one, there's a, if you ever study this, there's a whole, bunch of, a whole bunch of things that come to the tabernacle. It mainly shows Jesus, right? And so the showbread basically uh, represents Jesus as the bread of life. Jesus as the bread of life. So, so let me just say this, right? The people that are in the outer court, everybody. Everybody is allowed in the outer court. Everybody. Only in the Old Testament, only the priests and the high priests were allowed in the holy place. And some of you might be saying, well, that, that leaves me out. I'm not a priest, right? But the Bible says something in the New Testament that when Jesus died on the cross, you no longer need a representative. You don't need a high priest or a priest to come before God for you. No, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil that separated man from God was ripped from top to bottom. And the reason why it was ripped from top to bottom was because God ripped it. Because if a man ripped it, it would be ripped from bottom to top. 
And the reason why God ripped it from top to bottom when Jesus died is because he didn't want nobody to represent you. He wanted us to come ourselves before God. And so now we're no longer living in an old covenant where a priest has to come and sacrifice and pray to God on our behalf. No, you could come yourself before God himself. That should get somebody excited. That should get somebody excited that Jesus loves us and God loves us so much that he says, listen, I don't want somebody to represent you. I want to talk to you and I want to live with you myself. I want you to come boldly before the throne of grace and talk to me. But in the Old Testament, a priest used to just come, right? And the multitudes used to stay in the outer courts. You know, nothing is different today. The multitudes stay in the outer courts bringing their sacrificial lambs for the forgiveness of their sins, while somebody that lives a certain way is able to go into the holy place. And the reason why so many of us, so many of us do not get to get to the place where we encounter God in the holy place is because we haven't made Jesus our everything. And that's what the table of showbread means. Bread is something that could sustain you. You know, if you have bread and water, you can live for a very long time. You might lose a little weight, <laughs> but you ain't going to die. And the reason why, especially during the Old Testament, right, bread used to be so valuable. It was something that would sustain people. It was essential to living. And my friend, until we make Jesus essential in our lives, we will always dance in the outer courts instead of worshiping in the holy place. There's some that come here and we've never experienced that kind of relationship with God where you come and you're like, I don't care if there's a screen. I don't care if there's lights. I don't care if there's speaker. I don't care if there's 10,000 or 10 people. I'm still coming for Jesus. Why? Because he's the one that I came to worship. I didn't come to worship the chairs or the curtains or the screen or the pastor. I came to worship Jesus. Why? Because he is my bread of life. And look what Jesus says in John 6, 35. He says, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Some of you might be saying, well, dang. Is that physically? No, that's spiritually. He says, listen, anybody that comes to me and begins to look at me as somebody as essential, as a need, as somebody that, God, I want to obey you even if it hurts me. He says, the person that does that will never hunger again. How powerful is that? So many times we live in the outer courts. It's because we don't want to live this kind of lifestyle where we make Jesus number one. He's on the list. Don't get me wrong. He's probably the top five. He's probably top three, maybe top two, but he's not number one. And the only way that Jesus begins to take that hunger out of your soul is when he is number one. And so when you get into the holy place, you're confronted with Jesus being the bread of life. And he says, the only way you could stay in here is when you make me number one in everything. 
And obviously, this is not going to be easy, right? Because there's always a place where we have to die to ourselves. I've been serving Jesus over 20 years, and I still have to get to a place where I have to die to certain things. This is a lifelong journey. But you know what Jesus is looking for? He's looking for fruit. Fruit of our repentance. You know what fruit of repentance is? Fruit is lifestyle change. You know what begins to happen when you put Jesus number one? You start talking different. You start thinking different. You start acting different. There's certain places that you can't even go no more. Why? Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is upon you. Why? Because you have put Jesus number one. Do you know there's some people that can't, I can't even watch certain movies. There's certain movies I can't watch. Why? Because I... I'm concerned that it's hurting God by me watching this. There's certain places that I won't go. Why? Because I don't want to hurt my relationship with Jesus. And, I, and, and to myself, I think it like this. Either I love entertainment or I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus more, I'm okay with the entertainment. But some of us, we could go anywhere and we don't feel the need to even address God. Hey, are you okay with me being here? Are you okay with me having these friends? Are you okay with me thinking like this? Are you okay with me talking like this? Are you okay with me drinking this? Are you okay with me smoking this? Are you okay with me having sex with this person? Are you okay with me treating my children like this? We have to address God like he's number one because if we don't, we will never understand what it means to never hunger again and so it's a different level isn't it it's so much easier to live in the outer courts it's so much easier to come to God God forgive me God forgive me thank you for your love thank you for your mercy God forgive me again God forgive me again God bring your word and then he brings his word and then you get comforted and then you go back and you say God forgive me again and God forgive me again that's all good and that's all dandy but my friend that's the outer court there's so much more God wants you to enter into a holy place where Jesus is absolutely number one. And can I tell you, there's a different level of God that most of the church has never experienced. There's a different level of intimacy. There's a different level that God speaks. There's a different level of his presence that shows up when you are in that holy place. Can somebody say amen? I told you this was going to be challenging. Number two, the, 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 the next furniture that you'll see in the holy place is the golden candlestick. Everybody say the golden candlestick. And this is, this is when you get confronted with the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. So the showbread was having Jesus as the bread of life. The candlestick is when now the Holy Spirit uh, it's at another level inside of your life. Let me give you seven ways that the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us in the holy place. This right here that I'm going to say is not really found in the outer courts. You won't have this kind of relationship with Jesus or with the Holy Spirit in the outer court. No, this happens in the holy place. Let me give you it. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. It says, On the stump of David's family will grow a shoot Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Verse 2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And these are the key verses. The Spirit of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. 
understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. When you get to a place, when you get your relationship and your growth gets to a place where you just want to live in the holy place, now, and we'll all always have to confess our sin. Come on. Yep. We all fall short. Yes, but it's to the place where you want to stay living in this realm, the holy place. Number one, you begin to encounter the Spirit, the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that God begins to give you the boldness to come before him with power. But not only before him, but you, get, you begin to share the gospel with boldness. You begin to tell people without being ashamed or embarrassed. You're able to share with people, your family, your friends, what God has done inside of your life. If we're real, right? If we're really real, if we're not really living right, this becomes a little hard. Because what begins to happen, and I don't know about, I've been there, right? When I'm not living right before God, it, begins, it gets hard for me to share what Jesus is doing. Because you know what they're going to, you know what you're, what you're afraid from the, you're afraid for them to say this. Hey, if God is so good, why isn't he not doing that in your life? Hey, if God is so good, why aren't you living like he's good? Why do you still look like you did before and all of a sudden you just slap the title Christian? How many of you have been afraid of that? I have. We've all been there. I've been there. But my friend, when you start getting into the place, the holy place, all of a sudden you have this boldness. Because at this place, God has delivered you of certain things. At this place, no longer do you put other things before God. You put Jesus number one, and now you have such a passion and such a boldness to share what God has done. You know why sometimes we, we don't have peace? It's because we're living in the outer court. You know why it seems super hard to live for God? It's because you have a lifestyle in the outer court. But when you're in the holy place, I'm not saying it becomes easier, but all of a sudden your mindset shifts. And not only does it become, uh, it's not because it becomes easier, but it becomes worth it. In the outer court, you're not sure if having a relationship with God is worth it. Like, it's still debatable. It's still debatable for you. I don't know if serving God is good. I don't know if I'm going to do this Christian thing. I don't know if I'm going to serve God. I don't know if I'm going to do it the right way. I don't, I don't really see the, that's, that's outer court thinking. Holy place thinking is this. Hey, I don't care if God blesses me. I'm still going to serve him. I don't care if Jesus comes through for me. He's already died for my sin. I'm still going to be faithful. That's holy place living. That's boldness. Can somebody say, man, you know the next thing that happens when you're, when you're living in the holy place and you have a lifestyle that's in the holy place, you begin to hear wisdom from heaven. So many times the reason why I have made bad decisions is because I leaned on my own wisdom. So many times the reason why I've made huge mistakes is because I never get to, got to the place of the holy place where the Holy Spirit himself gave me wisdom. Do you know that the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom? Do you know that we don't have to walk around this life confused? And even though the Holy Spirit may not share details that we want, he still gives us the peace that we, he knows what he's doing. That's the spirit of wisdom. Look what James chapter 1 verse 5 says. It says, if you need wisdom, 
It says, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. You know, there's certain religions that actually tell you, hey, don't ask, don't, don't ask God, what, what is he doing, or give me wisdom. Don't do that. Just keep your mouth shut. He's God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible literally teaches, hey, if you're wondering about something, you have the right to come before God and ask him, God, what is happening? Why is this happening? Teach me how to get through something like this. That is wisdom in the holy place. That doesn't happen in the outer courts. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Number three is the spirit of understanding. Everybody say understanding. understanding. Have you ever been and talked to somebody that you've been confused on why in the world is this person acting like this towards me? How many ever wonder that? Right? Do you know that there's times where I've wondered that personally? Hey, why is that person acting like that towards me? Why is that person talking to me? We had a good relationship and all of a sudden... You know, something happened. Do you know the Holy Spirit has the ability to give you understanding on stuff that you have never heard that person say, but the Holy Spirit did? The Holy Spirit has the ability to help you not only give understanding on why certain things are happening, but he helps you connect the dots. Don't you love those people that you say, man, they're so intelligent, they're able to just figure that out. Do you know that God... The Holy Spirit in the holy place can give us the ability to just figure that out. How did you come up with that? I don't know. I was just put, I thought about this, I thought about this, I connected it all together, and I came out with this. Do you know that's not you? Do you know that's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you remember that? You remember when they said this? Do you remember when they acted like that? That's why they were acting like this. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so smart. No, you're not. It's God himself because you have a certain relationship with him that he helps you connect the dots. Do you know that the Holy Spirit has the ability to tell you who's fake and who's real? Because there's some people that are so great and acting like they're, they're really on your side. And do you know the Holy Spirit has, can give you the ability to say, you know what, they, just, they act right, they talk right, they dress right. They do all the right things, but something in my spirit is not right. How many of you ever felt like that? Something is just not right. Do you know that's the spirit of understanding? That is the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you better be careful because what that person is saying is not genuine. Or you better check on that. There's times where I'm in my, in my office or in my, or in my room, and then all of a sudden I, I get a check in my spirit. And I start, wait, so this happened and this happened and, I, and then I, I come up to a conclusion. Sometimes I feel like, hey, I'm thinking about this person a lot. And it keeps on coming up and then I call that person. And then something is happening. Or they're about to do something. Right? You know what that is? That is the spirit of understanding. That is the Holy Spirit giving you understanding that you no longer, you wouldn't even have unless it came supernaturally. My friend, that is so beneficial. If you're a parent, if you have any kind of relationship and you're trying to figure out whether this person is real or fake, if you're trying to figure out your next decision, my friend, living in the holy place is so valuable 
Because you are able to go to a source. You are able to get wisdom supernaturally. Let's keep on going. Number four, you get the spirit of counsel. Everybody say counsel. Psalms 32, verse 8, it says this. It says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Psalms 32, 8, I will guide you along the best pathway. That is, that's what begins to happen in the holy place. You begin to talk to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. Then the Holy Spirit says, hey, you probably want to wait on that. It even goes down to this, right? God, I don't know if I should get this car. I don't know if I'm going to be for, uh, afford it or not. And God begins to tell you, hey, you need to wait. I'm buying that car. You need to wait. I'm buying that house. Hey, this is up to you. But that person is not a good influence inside of your life. Counsel. I don't know about you, but there's times where I've even had counsel from somebody and it was supernatural. Or somebody sat me down and they began to say, hey, are you okay? And they began to speak to me, counsel. And it, came, it didn't come from them. It came straight from God himself. You know what the problem is sometimes is that God does this. God brings people our way and he says, you better be careful with that. And maybe you should stop doing that. And maybe you should stop living like that. And you think, oh, that's just them because they're judging me. No, my friend, that is the Holy Spirit speaking directly to your life and giving you counsel counsel you know if you get a real good counselor trust me i've been to a few and i'm talking about like physically if you get a real good counselor man they will save you a lot of pain right how many ever been to a therapist counselor wouldn't they and then if you are already in pain because of your dumb decisions if you get a real good counselor they have the way of taking your hand metaphorically speaking and walking you right out don't they my friend, we have the Holy Spirit that does the exact same thing. If you have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, he has the ability to give you divine counsel. And it's free. Because, I mean, though, counseling ain't cheap. It's about $200 per session. Amen. The next one is the spirit of might. Everybody say might. Do you know that some of us, like you're like me, I have, uh, I have an autoimmune disease. There's certain areas that I'm weak. Actually, I'm not even supposed to be pre preaching right now. That's how weak, according to the charts, I am, right? But it doesn't look like it, right? You know why? It's because it's the spirit of might. God gives me strength where I'm not supposed to have strength. I I, I, I ran, me and my wife ran a discipleship school, and planning a church is hard. A discipleship school is 24-7. Like, literally, we had a student call us at 3 o'clock in the morning asking if they could eat something. I'd be like, yo, bro, like, you're 20 years old. You have to call me to ask me if you can eat something? 24-7. And... It's exhausting. There will be times where I'll be at the airport because what happened, what, what happened in that school is that we would travel to different cities and I would preach and we would do like healing services and deliverance service and then also promote the school so that students could come and get trained, right? But if you have an illness, right, that a muscle disease, traveling and doing all that stuff, you begin to feel the pain of that. 
right? You begin to feel the pain and, you know, the medication sometimes wasn't enough. And then I would go to cold places and coldness is my kryptonite, you know. Cold and my body don't get along. And so I get, I, I will start getting swollen and all that stuff. But all of a sudden I will get this supernatural strength. There will be times where I'll go to the doctor and my, my, my numbers will be elevated. And, he, and I told him everything that I was doing. And he says, how in the world were you able to do all that? With these numbers, I'll be like, I don't know. But you know what it was? It was the spirit of might. Amen. Come on. Yes. That when I could not do it myself, when I couldn't carry myself, it was the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that did it on my behalf. Can I tell you something? Being a parent is hard. And parents, you need the spirit of might. That when you want to give your kids away, come on somebody, you need the spirit of might to keep them. When you feel like giving up and you feel like you can't do it no longer, you need the spirit of might. When all your strength is gone, the spirit of might gives you power gives you supernatural power. But not, not only does the Spirit of Might gives you strength, but it gives you strength for healing and power and miracles to be done in you and through you. And some of you that can't, don't believe that, and the reason why you don't believe that is because you still haven't stepped into the holy place. You're still dancing and living in the outer courts. You're still saying, hey, I don't, I don't know if I want to give this up yet. I don't know if I want to make Jesus number one yet. And the reason why God cannot use you fully to bring healing to people's lives and to bring miracles in people's lives is because you're still having a party in the outer courts when God is calling you to the holy place. Last one, the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge. Another way to do this, another way to say this is the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is when God just gives you something that you don't have no idea where it came from. Like, hey, your son right now, this is a, an example. The Holy Spirit has the ability to tell you where your son is at at the moment that he, well, when he's there. For example, if I don't know where my son is at and I'm worried and he's been gone for a while and I could talk to Jesus, and I'm not saying this happens 100% of the time because it doesn't. I'm just saying this has happened. Where the Holy Spirit can, and I'm giving you an example, right? The Holy Spirit could tell me, hey, your son is at the basketball court. And then I drive there and he's there. But he never told me that he was there. You know why, that has that, you know why God gives that ability to certain people? It's because when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he has certain knowledge that you do not know. Even of people. Even of places. Some of you don't believe me, but some of you have actually experienced this. Some of you, it came to your mind, hey, I don't know what this person is. And then boom, all of a sudden in your mind, oh, they might be over here. And you thought you were so smart. No. The Holy Spirit told you, hey, don't worry, that person's over here. Hey, you want to help them? That person's over there. That is the Holy Spirit, spirit of knowledge. Also, for those that struggle with reading the Word of God, he is able to help you understand the word of God. All you got to do is what? Ask. While you're reading, you ask, what does this mean? God, help me understand this. 
There's people that have, in our church, that have heard the Holy Spirit while they're reading the Bible. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's put on some worship music. Last thing. Last thing is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Everybody say fear of the Lord. And um, this could be confusing for some because some of you might be wondering, why does God want us to fear him? And it's not so much that he wants you to fear him in like a terrifying way. Like fear me. No. He wants you to reverence him. He wants you to be in awe of him. You know how you know somebody's in awe of God? Is that when they come in here and it's only about God. Do you have water? No. That's okay. I'm here for Jesus anyway. Because I'm in awe of God. I reverence God. You know, when you come in here, and I know some of you can't stand up. That's fine. I was there before. I was there where I couldn't stand up. I had to be in a wheelchair. But my wife could attest. I was in a wheelchair. And I would go to a church. And my legs were very weak. But I would force myself to stand up and worship. Even if two minutes later I had to sit down. You know why? Because I'm in awe of God. I'm in awe of God. I reverence God that even though I'm sitting in a wheelchair or in a walker and maybe I might be sick and may I might have to sit down two minutes later, but man, God deserves so much more than me just sitting down, acting like he's like everybody else. God is not like everybody else. God is not like everybody else. He's so much more. So much more. And until you realize that, you'll never understand the people that are in the holy place. And if you don't understand the people in the holy place, you'll definitely never understand the people that want to live in the most holy place. Because everything... Everything is about what Jesus wants. Of course you're going to fall short. We live in flesh. We make mistakes. But at the end of the day, when somebody's living in the holy place, you're like, God, I made a mistake. Forgive me. Whatever I got to do to make it right with you, I will. If I have to leave a relationship, I will. If I have to stop going to a certain place, I will. If I have to stop thinking a certain way, I will. God, I have a struggle with this. God, help me with that struggle because it's, everything is about you. It's about you. The last furniture is the golden altar of incense, and this is basically the place of prayer. People here in the outer courts, right, they're, they're, they're praying for themselves. God, forgive me. God, speak to me. Nothing wrong with that. God, do this for me. God, look at all the wrongs that I did. God, change me. And that still happens. But you go to another level when you go to the holy place. Not only do you say, God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, but now you begin to say, God, not only me, but this person too. God, forgive them. God, forgive this city. 
God, forgive my coworker. God, I pray for my coworker that you begin to heal them. God, I pray for this person that you begin to bless them. Not only is it for me, but I begin to live for other people. Because the Bible says, freely you have received. Freely give. Right here in the outer courts, all you're really is doing is taking. Receiving forgiveness. Receiving the blood. Receive all that. Holy place, this is you receiving and giving away. It's a place of intercession. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 11. It's not going to be on the screen unless they found it. But Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Oh, it's there. Praise God. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right, uh, the right of the incense altar. Verse 12, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. That's the holy place. You know what begins to happen when you begin to talk to God in the holy place? All this stuff begins to happen. When you desire to live in the holy place, you could be driving. And God begins to tell you and show you all the good things he's done. It's happened to me where I begin to cry and I say, God, I wouldn't be walking right now if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be breathing right now if you didn't keep my lungs from collapsing when I had this illness. God, I wouldn't be here right now if you didn't save me. I could be where my brother is that died of a heroin overdose, but I'm here today because you saved me. You called me. That's what happens in the holy place. Not only is it, God, give me this, and if you don't give me this, I ain't going to serve me. No, in the holy place, you're like, God, if you don't give me anything, you've already given me everything. If you don't give me my dream job, if you never heal me, if I never find this or that, God, you've already done so much. This is where we need to be. Actually, it's not even here. We need to be in the most holy place. That's when we begin to understand the mercy of God. That's the holy place, the most holy place. That's where God is. Very few. Make it there. My friend, I'm, I want to encourage you, and I don't say this to judge you, but there's so much more than what you're living. There's so much more. There's so much that you don't understand that when you see somebody that is jumping when there's two people inside of the room, because they don't care. It's not about you. It's not about what you're going to say to them. It's not about embarrassment. It's all about what God has already done inside of their life. I'm telling you, there's another level. And God wants to invite you. And you know what? He's never going to force you. If you want to stay in the outer court, you can stay there. You can stay there. You could keep on asking for forgiveness, and I'll keep on forgiving you. You could keep on, you know, not making me number one, and I died for you, and I'll still wait. For you to make it across this curtain and dwell with me in the holy place and live a holy place lifestyle.
I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Let's all stand this morning. In the holy place, there was a certain kind of incense that they will put on the altar of incense. And some of this material is actually used today for perfume and cologne. And so when you enter into the holy place, it smells beautiful. It smells like the best perfume, best cologne. Why? Because that incense is flowing out of the altar of incense. I, it gives you the picture of if you ever just think about your favorite perfume or cologne. And just when you walk into the holy place, that smell just hits you. That's how beautiful the glory of God is. It, it smells the best. It feels the best. You never want to leave it when you enter in. There's a, when you get to the place, you have to come with a posture of humility. You have to come with an understanding that this comes with a price. You have to come broken. I'm nothing without you, God. I can't do this on my own. I'm completely weak without you. But you also have to come in faith, believing that God is who he says he is. People in the outer courts, that's debatable. People, when they enter into the holy place, they say, I'm convinced that God is who he says he is. If you want to enter into that holy place and you want to be like, hey, I, I want to get there. I just want you to lift up your hands and just begin to worship Jesus as they put on the worship just a little bit higher. And some of you are going to begin to encounter the Holy Spirit and God in a totally different way because some of you are going to make that decision. Yeah, I'm not living no longer in the outer courts. I need to go and be with God. He's not trying to take nothing from me. He's trying to give me more of him. And when you get Jesus, you get blessing. When you get Jesus, you get peace. When you get more of God, you get more of everything. Come on, just talk to Jesus right now. God, I give you glory right now. I pray that you will begin to rest in this place. There is no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. God, I pray right now that you will begin to call people. God, that you will begin to call people that are saying, I don't know if this is worth it. Oh, it's worth it. I don't know what God has done. I pray that you begin to show people what you have done what you have protected them from, what you have warned them, and because we didn't heed your warning, the consequences that came, all that is the love of Christ. All that is the love of God. So right now I pray that you will begin to seal it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Some of you are going to begin to encounter the presence of the Lord right now. Some of you are going to feel like getting broken before God. 
we just let it flow. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's no one like you. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I give you glory. I give you glory. I pray that you will raise up people that seek your face. I pray that you will raise up a church, God, where your glory could dwell. God, I pray that you will raise up people that want you more than anything. God, it's so possible that your glory could fall and there's only 50, 40, 20 people in the building. It's so possible. Because you don't look at crowds. You look at our hearts. It's not a building that you want to fill. It's our hearts. God, I pray that you begin to fill us, Lord Jesus, right now. Hallelujah, God. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. I'm going to call my wife up. And I just want her to sing prophetically for over us. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.